Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative, a boutique brand and web design studio. I'm here to help you learn, up-level, and find community in your design business journey. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, I can't wait to share with you that on Tuesday, September 26th, I partnered with my good friends Leah from Arc Design Studio and Jen from Genuine Creative to provide an exclusive and absolutely free workshop all about how to establish and maintain a successful Shopify designer and developer relationship. Leah walks us through her exact Shopify design process from start to finish, and we all share a behind-the-scenes peek with a lot of screenshots into how we collaborate with designers and developers to successfully launch projects projects all the way from 15k up to $70,000. So many amazing takeaways for the Hello June brand specifically, and I'm excited for you guys to learn from Leia as well. I also wanted to share that her signature educational program, the Shopify Codex, is relaunching with brand new content called Scale Your Shopify Studio and a new structure to make growing your design studio even more accessible. She's launching a live 12-week sprint with high-touch coaching. Applications open up on September 24th, and she's giving our community a $700 discount. And then in the new year, the course content in the Codex is going to shift into a membership format at only $260 a month at early bird pricing. And I am on Honored to partner with Leia and the Shopify Codex as our season eight full sponsor. She's given you guys 50% off your first month with the code better at checkout. That is just $130 for an insane amount of value. I'm really excited about this program and I'm excited for you guys to take a peek. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's just me today. I am getting over a bit of a cold. So if my voice sounds a little weird, that's what's going on. So let's dive into the conversation with roses and thorns. Um, So my rose for this week is that I am going to New York today to visit my friend. And I'm also going to be seeing my favorite music artist, Owl City, live in concert tomorrow night. I cannot wait. Um, I've been an Owl City fan just ever since I heard, I think I heard Vanilla Twilight in the very beginning. And then, of course, Fireflies, everyone knows, um, was his big hit. So I'm going to go see that in New York and just kind of, you know, relive my New York glory days a little bit. Going to go to some hot yoga class, going to eat some acai bowls. We're going to go visit the Mets and just kind of walk around Central Park. I'm just so excited to kind of be there at the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. I really feel like it's such a magical city and such a magical time. I did live there for about a year post-college. So um, sometimes I have like New York City dreams. Like I dream that I wake up in New York City. So I'm going to be living that dream and I'm really, really excited about that. A thorn from this week is that I sent off a brand concept presentation that I was like, I was excited about it. I wasn't like super excited about it, which should have been a red flag to myself. The client was just not excited about it at all. And you know, it happens. It happens sometimes. Um, what I, where I think I went wrong with this one was I didn't get her approval on the content of the illustration that I, that I created for her. And she just didn't really want that particular illustration to be part of her brand for her business, um, which I totally understood. And so we actually reworked some things. I just sent it off and it's feeling a lot better. So kind of a little bit of a, um, a thorn and a bud, but you know, just sharing that because you know, sometimes you send stuff off and then you think it's great, or you might not think it's that great. And then a client just, it doesn't, doesn't resonate with them. And that's a really important and normal part of the process. And I, I always try to um, encourage my clients that there's nothing wrong with them and I'm not mad and it's it's a totally fine and normal part of the process and we just kind of work through it and ultimately what we create after those feedback and um, that refinement 
is better than what the original design was. So hopefully that's encouraging to someone out there that needed to hear that today. So today is all about what I wish I knew when I first started my design business, a little bit of a design business startup guide in podcast form, if you will. Um, And I know that a lot of people listening are maybe newer um, or they are currently working for an agency or they're working in-house somewhere um, and curious about what it's like to kind of make that leap and kind of jump into starting your design business. Um, But if you're someone who's already been doing your design business for a while, I feel like some of these things can still be helpful. And um, I'm always just curious about the way that other people set their businesses up. So kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit, um, giving a little bit of advice to Jen from five years ago, anyone else who is curious about like kind of what I wish I would have done. So got a long list here, just gonna start diving in. Um, We have, three sections that I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through legal and finance. I'm going to go through style and positioning. And the third section, which is the juicy one, is going to be some client acquisition chit chat. So in the first section, legal and finances, first thing I wish I had done when I started up my design business was I wish I had consulted with a CPA prior to launching so that I knew a little bit about what I was doing because I had no idea what I was doing. I had a huge tax liability at the end of year two because I honestly didn't even know I was supposed to be paying estimated taxes. Um, I was a sole proprietorship until year three of my business, at which point I became an LLC. And your CPA will be able to help you determine when to make that switch and also advise you on like a good number for your salary based on your revenue and all that type of fun stuff. I went into it completely blind and didn't even know what a sole proprietorship was. I just filed my taxes like I normally did. And it was just a huge mess. So save yourself some heartache Even if you don't want to outsource your bookkeeping in the beginning, it's well worth your money to pay someone for an hour or two of their time for them to consult with you about what type of business structure you should set up from the get-go. Shifting gears for a second, here's a little bit of a hot take. I don't actually think you need to have a trademark when you're first starting out. I got mine in year three, and I'm glad that I did it later because I ended up changing my business name, and I don't even have a trademark on my logo. So it's very, very simple. So if anyone copied it, like, it's not that big of a deal, but I do have a trademark on my business name. I do recommend once you feel like you found the one, the one business name that you're going to stick with for a while, you really want to build your brand around that. I do recommend reaching out to a trademark attorney. Um, shout out to attorney Allie, um, from influencer legal. She did my trademark work, um, in year three. And so I'll include her link, um, in the episode description in case you guys are looking for an attorney to help you with the trademark process. I highly recommend working with an attorney. Um, you can try to figure it out yourself, but it is very complex and you don't want to submit something the wrong way and then have it processed for six months to a year, which is how long it typically takes to have them like kick it back and just because you didn't submit it the right way. So it's definitely worth the money to pay an attorney to do it. Um, I believe it cost me around like $2,500, including the fee to the attorney and the fees to the um, trademark office to get my trademark on my business name. So now I own the trademark Hello June Creative in the categories brand design and web design. So I have the legal right to send someone a cease and desist if they open up a business underneath that same name or if they claim to be me or anything like that. Um, So I don't think you need to do that right in the beginning, but you know, definitely when you find your name, you want to protect yourself. I do recommend doing that. I wish I had actually opened up a separate business bank account from the get-go. So untangling my business and personal finances was really annoying, to say the least. 
Um, and I don't recommend it to anyone to just be spending all of your, you know, just your business expenses out of your personal bank account. So definitely get set up with a, um, a business bank account. You can create a, an actual business bank account if you do have a separate business entity like an LLC. But if you're a sole proprietorship, just open a separate checking account and just name it your business. It doesn't have to be like a legal business bank account. That was one thing I was really confused about in the beginning. Um, but it just is a lot easier just separate account, get a debit card. Um, another thing that I actually did not write down that I'm thinking about right now, get a business credit card. Um, you can get, the one that I use is the ink card from Chase. Um, and if you're going to be spending, especially like investing in courses or any type of high ticket things, software, et cetera, it can all build up points. You guys are going to get so many points from all of the startup costs associated. Not that there's a lot with a design business. Um, so I, w- I wish I would have like opened up that card way earlier, started to, you know, increase my credit score and gotten points because we're definitely going to be able to take probably at least one vacation fully paid for with like food, hotel, flights, everything just from the points from my business um, credit card. I also wish this is kind of more of like a schedule thing to finish up this section. I wish I had known that I actually did not need to be available during all working hours. I thought that I had to be at my desk, like butt in chair, nine to five. Don't tell me why I thought that. I have no idea. I never had a client ask me to like respond to an email at 9 a.m. or be available at 5 p.m. But like I just thought that that was like the professional thing to do was to just be available during business hours. And I I would have saved myself a lot of time if I had just started from the get-go with a shortened work week. I just never considered that possibility for myself until I was kind of required to due to becoming a mom. Um, and I would have had a lot more free time if from the beginning I did the four-day work week. Highly, highly recommend the four-day work week. No one gets any work done on Fridays anyways. Clients do not email me on Fridays. I wasn't productive on Fridays. I was like, let's just cut this off and do all of our work Monday through Thursday. So definitely if you're curious about the four-day work week or reduce our work week, definitely try that um, earlier, um, as early as you can. So moving on to the second section, which is style and positioning, things I wish I'd known. So I wish that I had known that it was okay to not know who I was as a designer yet or my signature style. Um, There's a lot of talk in the industry about copying. And yes, you should not steal others' ideas outright, but following other designers in the early days and emulating their style was actually really helpful for me in discovering what felt good for me and what didn't. So I didn't even know what I didn't know. And so I felt like following and seeing other studios that style resonated with me simply because I was like, I like the way that looks. I think that was actually really helpful and something that I would recommend to someone who is out there. Maybe you're working at an agency or in-house and you don't really know what your style is, but you know what you like. Go and follow a bunch of designers, um, you know, make some conceptual brands, really kind of flex that muscle. Um, and then as you go on, and as you feel more comfortable and confident with your own style, that's when you can start to, you know, maybe mute or unfollow some other designers just so you're not kind of clouded by some of their design choices. Um, you guys know that I always talk about like, don't follow other designers or like unfollow people, mute people. But like, I think in the beginning, there's something to be said for just kind of being surrounding yourself with design that you like and being inspired by that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I did beat myself up a lot for trying to get a signature style right away rather than trusting that it would come to me over time. So um, I wish I would have just like 
continue designing, do, do designs that I like, work with clients that I'm excited about or work with clients that I'm not excited about and try it out rather than feeling like, oh, I have to niche. I have to, you know, I have to have this style. Like I wish I would have just like gone a little bit easier on myself in the beginning. Another thing I wish I would have done was that I wish I would have gotten more specific with my positioning and messaging earlier, but not too early. Um, I use the term, I work with lifestyle brands that you guys might have seen in people's Instagram buyers, or maybe you're using that term in your bio. No hate, but I feel like that term is just not narrow enough. It's not specific enough. Someone who might be a candle maker could be a lifestyle brand, but someone who's a coach might be a lifestyle brand. And yes, I do work with both of those people, but that's just not specific enough for them to see themselves in that positioning statement. A little bit of messaging strategy coming here. So um, I just, I picked that because I didn't want to pick an industry niche because I thought I had to. You PSA for everyone out there who thinks that they need to have an industry niche, you do not. You do not have to only serve interior designers or only serve coaches. Um, There are so many other ways to um, find your positioning and we actually have a ton of episodes in the archives all about finding your positioning. Um, There is a fantastic one with Liz from Hilo Designs that I will include in the show notes. Um, if you want to go on a, a journey to understanding how to find your unique positioning. Um, but I just really feel like I didn't have a unique perspective. Um, and now, you know, kind of comparing that to now, I was just getting inconsistent inquiries. I was definitely building my referral network too. So, I, you know, I don't want to expect the type of inflow of leads that I have now of, you know, myself in year one or year two. But now I just, I know who I am so much more. And a lot of that is messaging and positioning where color meets class is my tagline. And I've had clients like mention that specifically on their inquiry form. I talk about how I serve um, laid back, um, creatives who have humble hearts and big visions. That's a part of my positioning statement and it's top front and center above the fold on my website. And I just got a really, really cool inquiry from someone who mentioned that word humble. She was like, that stands out. I feel like I see a lot of designers just kind of say the same things, but the fact that you said you love working with people who are humble and have big visions, that really resonated with me. So, you know, don't, you know, don't forget about your messaging. Don't forget about the copy that you put in your Instagram bio or you put above the fold on your website. It's very important because clients do read it. Um, That's probably some of the things that, one of the only things that people read if they don't even get that far down on your homepage. Another thing I wish I would have done is I wish I would have made a library of branded social templates much earlier in the game. It would have actually just saved me so much time, helped me be so much more consistent than I was back in the day on social media. And I was... I was really just creating brand new graphics every single time I wanted to post something, which I don't know if you guys have ever tried to do that, but it's it's unsustainable because then I would open up my Illustrator and be like, okay, what am I going to post today? And then I would have no idea and then I wouldn't post anything. So I would just, you know, I use Figma now for my templates, which I highly recommend to anyone who's interested in kind of making that shift over from Illustrator to Figma. I do still use um, Illustrator for my brand designs, but for pretty much everything else in my business, I use Figma. Um... Create a library of templates in Canva or Illustrator or Figma or wherever that is just kind of like a series. Like I do a weekly Thursday roundup. I've got a template for that. I do a five things Friday. I've got a template for that. I have, you know, my blog posts that I repurpose for Instagram. I've got a template for that. You know, if you have templates, it just makes it a lot easier to like actually make the content because I feel like coming up with the ideas isn't hard. It's just making 
the content and implementing it because it just takes so long. So if I had had a little bit of a library, a little bit of guidance um, earlier on in the game, I feel like I would have had a much stronger social game earlier, um, which would definitely be impacting my social now. Okay, so the last section, the juiciest section, client acquisition. I actually just did a series about this on my close friends. I would love for you guys to DM me if you want to join in on the fun. You're not there already. Um, I get DMs from people all the time saying, hey, I was just listening to your podcast and I'm, I don't think I'm seeing your close friends stories. If you're a designer, you need to be on that close friends list. I would I post behind the scenes stuff. I talk about clients, never, never anything bad or never, never naming any names, but it's just like a fun kind of like slumber party vibe. So, um, shoot me a DM on Hel- at Helogen Creative. If you are not see- currently seeing my close friends, I promise you it's not weird and it makes my day. So please make my day. Um, I, I was chatting a little bit on there about like lead generation and what I see designers going wrong with. And honestly, this could be its, its own podcast episode, which I'll have to make later in the future, but Going back to kind of the theme of this episode, I wish that from the beginning I had understood that lead generation was something that I had control over. I just really felt like at the whim of inquiries. Like I felt like I had to just sit back and wait for a client to inquire or sit back and wait for a past client to refer me to someone. And I never fully realized that I actually do have a lot of control over generating leads. If I want a lead, I can go out and get one. Um, And I, you know, that's going to be something that you're going to have to build up over time. It's kind of a little mindset thing, but I wanted to chat a little bit about how I maximize my lead generation with relationship marketing. So relationship marketing is everything. I was doing it without even realizing I was doing it in the very beginning. And that's truly just making friends first. Just make friends first. Make friends with tons of people on social media. Like DM them about something that's not even related to your business. Respond to their stories. Leave really thoughtful comments. Follow them. Talk to them about their content. Ask them about their business. People want to talk about themselves. People love talking about themselves. I know that as someone who loves talking about myself, Um, but it's just been a fantastic way for me to just grow my network. And I know that word network is like, it's, it's difficult for people to kind of stomach because it feels stuffy and it feels salesy. But, you know, if you build a network based off of true friendships, you never know when someone's friend or their mom or their aunt is going to be like, hey, I'm, I, you know, I have a small business and I, I want someone to brand my website. Like they're going to think of you first if you were just in their DMs talking about how cute their dog was. So um, that's been a really, really key thing for me to Um, just grow my leads and feel a little bit more in control. So we do a very consistent um, engagement strategy where, you know, it used to be me, but now it's my intern who reaches out to, we try to target around 60 accounts every single week. Um, That might be new followers. That might be people who don't even follow me. That might be people who know my clients because they're following them on, this mainly happens through Instagram for me, but it can happen through LinkedIn or any other social media platform where you feel like your clients are hanging out. Um, That like, that strategy helps me find, vet, and connect with new leads really proactively instead of waiting and sitting back for them to come my way. Um, so that is something that I did early on in the game that I think um, has contributed probably the most amount to my current success. Also, um, one thing that I would recommend, of course, is a consistent and quality social media cadence. I wish that I knew that this actually had impact on nurturing leads because when you do relationship marketing, you're connecting with them as a friend, you're not necessarily really inviting them to inquire with you. That's what your content is for. And so if you're just engaging with people and you're not creating content for them, it's just kind of like 
talking to someone, texting them, but then like never actually having a relationship with them. I have a relationship with my leads through engagement and through my content. My content is where I'm asking them to inquire. That's where I'm talking about my services. It's where I'm sharing my past work, et cetera. Um, I, and I wish that like I didn't feel so wishy-washy about social media in the beginning because I know now that it does work because now the majority of my leads do come from Instagram versus um, referrals. It used to be referrals first in the beginning and now it is actually cold leads from Instagram. Maybe they might know someone that you know shared me or something like that. Um, client story reshares gold. If you can tag all your clients in all of your stories that relate to their new launch or whatever like that, that's how I get new followers. That's how people are like, oh, I've been looking for a brand and web designer and so-and-so shared you and I really want to work with you. So, so, so important. The last thing um, for this little section is that I wish that I knew that like I could create visibility opportunities for myself without having to wait for people to ask. So I usually just would wait and see if someone wanted to talk to me or do a workshop with me. But now I'm very proactive about that. Like I had an interior designer follow me and I saw that she had a podcast and I just kind of reached out and I was like, hey, I see you have a podcast. You know, if you're accepting guests, I would, I have, and I I had a prepared pitch. I had a a podcast title and an exact topic that I think that would be helpful for her clients or her listeners. And she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's schedule something for next week. And then I got on her podcast and I got in front of a huge audience of interior designers, which is fantastic. Um, I've done um, co-ID lives with um, coaches in ideal industries. I've done email swaps. Um, inquiries definitely ramp up around those things and they're all free. So um, if you want to do a little bit of a visibility tour, um, then just go and reach out to and pitch yourself to a bunch of podcasts. The worst the worst thing that can happen, I promise you, is that people don't respond. Um, and the majority of the time in engagement, people like will either respond or not respond, but it doesn't really ever... Not, I don't want to say it never turns into a lead immediately because sometimes I do DM people and they're like, oh, thank God I've been looking for a brand and web designer. That doesn't happen every single time. It's probably in the minority. Um, but with those visibility opportunities, you know, like people will just come out of the woodwork and, and say, oh, wow, I just discovered your brand or like I want to connect with you. And then you nurture them through their content. It can take, you know, six months to a year plus, I feel like, to nurture a lead or to kind of wait for them to be in a place in their business where they're ready to invest with you. So yeah, there's just, there's so much. I could talk so much more about um, visibility, but it is a long game. You know, it, I was nervous about people not booking right away, but um, it actually takes months to engage with people. And I wish I had known that that is normal. Last thing is that I wish I would have known that it's completely normal to have busy seasons and really slow seasons. I thought that every single slow season was the end of my business. And I know it's hard when you're not in it to kind of understand that like okay things are going to ramp back up summertime it's typically slow for me january has been you know on and off for me um but it's going to be different for every single market every single business every single industry so um if you're going through a slow season right now i just want to encourage you totally normal i got like maybe one inquiry in the entirety of the months of july and august and now i am really really ramping up i've got a bunch of discovery calls on the calendar because people's kids are back in school and that's just kind of like my clientele and my audience so Definitely very normal. Just want to encourage you guys. All right. Well, we're going to skip the inbox question today. Just keep this one nice and short and sweet. But thank you guys so much for listening to my design business startup guide. I hope this was helpful and interesting to you guys. I'm curious about what your um, wish I knew this um, 
little addition to this list would be, I would love for you guys to comment on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash better brand designer. You can go find me on Instagram at hello June creative or the podcast at better podcast. And you can comment on the most recent reel that we've posted to add your little, you know, design business startup, um, tidbit, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you guys next week. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, leave a review, join our free Facebook community, and share the pod with your designer friends so that they can join the fun. Give me a shout on Instagram at betterpodcast if you want to submit an inbox question and visit the pod at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more and snag discounts on my favorite resources. See you next week.